0: full of hope I've got the urge to walk the prairie and chase the antelope Aspen's gold, dark snowcat, takes the elk call me away I can't keep my mind on working on this fine September day I've got nimrod long longbows
1: on the brain I'm Welcome to the TACCUT Podcast.
2: we got Colton
1: the Killman Gilman.
2: Uh, <laughs> what's going on, Colton?
1: All nothing,
2: else just sitting in my reloading room. Nice. We got uh, Bob the Bowhunter here, and we are uh, pumped to have you on. We decided no intros tonight. We're just going to go straight into uh, talking with our new good buddy, Colton
1: Yellman. All right.
2: So, yeah, man, it was awesome coming out to uh, Montana and finally meeting all these people in person and getting a, Hang out with you around the fire. Didn't make it out onto the 3D course with you, but you sure cleaned up there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I shot pretty good that weekend. It was nice meeting everybody. It's kind of weird with social media and whatnot, knowing people but never have you know, being never have met the people that you you know.
2: (laughs) Yeah, totally. It was like trying to remember people's names and then their handles on Instagram and. But, uh, yeah, you can remember I their handles, trouble.
1: but you can't remember their names.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> you see their face, and you're like, I know that guy right there. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. Bob was there. He was kind of like incognito, but he was there.
0: Yeah, I got to, I got to hang out yeah, with
1: seen a him bit. Yeah, well, I swung by the booth and saw that, that Roosevelt shed you found.
0: Yeah, it was, was pretty, pretty cool. cool. Yeah. yeah. I had the fam. I didn't got get. Got my any new lucky hunting, hunting, hunting hat there, guys. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, lucky you. hunting hat. oh right there. I mean, we we hooked Colton up, and he just walked right out of the camp there and killed a bear. Apparently, <laughs> it wasn't long after we got home, he sent us a picture. <laughs> hey, I think it was the first day I wore the hat.
1: Second day, maybe.
2: Gee, there you go. Well, let's, let's yeah, I got get back into old. that
1: saturday and shot the bear the following friday six days yeah
2: so you've been went uh, over to bear hunting
1: yes yeah, well not technically hunting yet i kind of snuck in before everybody else we uh ran some baits and uh we plan on hunting it's next week and uh and we we kind of we kind of jumped the gun and and uh put him out a little too early but uh, we're going to run them for a couple weeks and really get some baits, you know, really get some bears established on them, and then we're all going to show up for a little hunting camp that we do. And I went over to bait them and check some cameras and stuff like that and hopped up in a tree two evenings. Actually passed the bear on the first set. I guess I shot that bear Saturday, yeah. Passed the bear on Friday, a little half bald, 80-pounder. And then, uh, yeah, this boar come in, yeah, Saturday evening. Setting in a stand for like 40 minutes. I walked in and I had a bunch of bait with me and, uh, actually ran him off the bait and he came back like 40 minutes later. Pretty cool.
2: Nice. How far are you, uh, packing your bait into your, uh, bait sites?
1: Uh, way too far after talking to all the guys that's been doing it for a long time. They all, they all think we're crazy. And now we're, I'm starting to believe them. We, uh, <laughs> the one that has three quarters of a mile, and, you know, as much as you can carry is, you know, maybe 100 pounds. It takes a couple hundred pounds to fill a barrel. So, man, that's a long – I took three trips and went back in about, I don't know, about 24 hours later and they ate half of it. So, it's just super hard to keep bait in there just on foot, you know, carrying it that far in.
0: Those bears eat a lot. I mean, uh, we can't bait yeah, bears here, do. but uh, i played around over the years – well, twenty some years ago, baiting blacktails out at our property, which is legal. Yeah. But I, I, uh, my first ex-wife, her grandpa had like a hundred million apple trees, and so I went over there and literally loaded up the whole bed of my half-ton Dodge pickup, and I drove it right out there and dumped it. I mean, I it was insane how many apples were there, and a bear. is before trail camera days, so I don't know, but I went in a few days later. And there was just apple piles of bear shit everywhere. And there was like <laughs> 40 pounds of apples left. <laughs> I'm like, oh my
1: god. Yeah. yeah, we keep trying to like, like we keep trying to set our baits up to like keep them occupied so they don't just come in and eat. Like we cut our holes about eight by eight squares. And then I ran a chain across it. Two, two links or two, uh, strips of it going, uh, horizontally and one going vertically, vertically. So there's six little openings that you can barely get your paw in. And then the idea is that whenever they pull it out, you know, the chain rakes the food off their hand, uh-huh. man, they just, they still just crush it. Yeah, Especially dude. when you get a salad wow. cubs, those little fingers get in there and just rake it out. Yeah. We, uh, we put 55 yeah, was... gallon drums completely full and they were gone. And we had one bait that was hit an hour and a half after we put it in wow. an hour and a half.
2: Yeah, they they smell from so far away. Yeah, it's crazy. I've, I've had bears win me like glassing them across the canyon and I'm like, why is he running? It's, it's amazing how well their nose works. It's, It's tremendous. Uh, yeah, I was talking to Bob Smith there at the Western States and I said, Oh man, I'm so glad you, you know, you flew out here for this event. And he's like, uh, yeah. I think Colton just wanted me to pack bait. I think that was more (laughs) of what this trip was about.
1: And I was like, Oh, okay. Copy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was definitely, Uh, definitely handy having big old Bob there.
2: Man, he's, uh, he's bigger than I thought he was. Like I met him. I met (laughs) you guys at the, at the bonfire at like midnight. I think that was thursday night or friday night friday night i think it was
1: friday night
2: and yeah and when i showed up there was a lot of people like at the bonfire and there was this one person that was like his head was above everybody else's by like a foot (laughs) and yeah i was like that there he is bob smith
1: yeah, the first time yeah. I met him, I knew he was tall, and and he come like walking up onto my porch and like ducked to walk in the house. I'm like, Jesus, big old dude. Yeah, but yeah we we uh, pulled into the campsite there, and we were trying to find a campsite, and we seen that that fire with like 25 people around it, and we're like, yeah, that's where we need to be. That's that's where the fun's gonna happen tonight.
2: <laughs> well, that's what I figured out every single night. <laughs> Uh, For sure. three thirty in the morning, every single night, I was like, "Man, I'm, uh, I can sleep next week. And hang out with these guys." So
1: That's what I, I told cool. the guy that I was shooting against. Oh, Chris, I was shooting with Chris Hill. I was like, "Do I get a, do I get a uh, a handicap here? You go to bed at like nine. Don't drink. I'm staying up till two, drinking way too much." He wouldn't give me handicaps.
2: No, no mulligans or nothing.
1: No, huh, nothing.
2: Jeez. It was a tough, <laughs> tough ship. And you guys were sleeping, like, in baby sacks, and it was, like, frozen out.
1: I had a tent. I think they, uh... You had a tent. I think they, yeah. August and Bob just kind of broke the first rule of drinking and camping. Always pitch your tent before you start drinking. <laughs> and uh, I think they just kind of wung it the first night and realized that they stayed pretty warm, so they just, yeah, they just did it the rest of the weekend.
2: Were they even using babies, or just sleeping bags? And
1: no, it's just they—they they got some sleep system from Big Agnes, and uh, okay. they wanted to test it out, and they did. Heck, there was there was frost on them every morning.
2: Yeah, they stayed yeah, cozy. Yeah. yeah, I might have I might have witnessed that at three in the morning. I'm not sure. Could have happened. I was. There was there was a there was a prowler roaming around, and I was worried <laughs> and concerned for their better well-being and their health, and so um, I had to make sure that they were okay. So that happened. Yeah, I
1: was waiting in my tent, and I heard Bob go, "What the, Jimmy Jam? What are you doing?" <laughs> I heard some mumbles, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, man, your, your camp's on the other side of the campground." Oh, oh, okay, and you. <laughs> staggered off into the dark off I went <laughs>
2: <laughs> I found myself out in the woods I went the wrong way but that was all good I, I haven't had I haven't had such a good time since high school so I think you oh guys man at,
1: uh, <laughs> that
2: was good. a good time it was good it was good for sure so uh, when who's coming up to bear camp and when's that going to get started Uh,
1: next Wednesday I'm heading back over there Bob's driving out uh, my buddy August Destin you met him the shoot, he's coming out Friday. Tyler Moore is coming up uh, from uh, Colorado. August, a.k.a. Grizzly Bear? Yeah, the Grizzly Bear. The one that Bluff charged you at the shoot. Bear. Four times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's
2: him. What's up, August?
1: <laughs> that's awesome.
2: <laughs> Sweet. Well, that sounds like, a, sounds like a good camp. You guys have been doing like a trad bear camp in the spring for, I don't know, a couple years, right?
1: Yeah, this is the third year we did it.
2: Third year? Yeah. You got any memorable bear stories
1: to share? Uh, yeah, the the first one I killed over there, uh, we end up calling him Blob Smith because he was just this giant, big old fat thing. It was the biggest bear we had on our cameras. And, uh, Uh, we never, I don't think anyone ever actually laid eyes on him, but I got in a stand pretty early about two o'clock one day and it gets dark about nine, so we do really long sets over there. And, uh, a couple hours before it got dark, I heard just, just a huge commotion coming up over the hill, knocking down trees, rolling logs. It was kind of wild. It was almost like he was, like, uh, like, he was advertising he was coming in. It was pretty cool. And all the other bears in the area was really circling downwind wind and sent checking the baits. But this one didn't at all. He was just kind of, you could tell he was top dog. And uh he came in right behind me. He was going to walk right under my stand at about six, seven yards. He just stopped and looked right up at me because you guys hunted bear. I mean, you hear that they don't have very good eyes, you know. And uh, But, man, they'll, they'll just pick you right out of those trees. And he stopped, you know, inside 10 and it was hard quartering towards, but I knew I could get an arrow right tucked up to his shoulder, and he got in, you know, both lungs and got through the diaphragm in the back. So he didn't run. He was alive for like eight seconds. Shot him with a big old snuffer. Yeah, he he made it probably sixty yards. Pretty wild. That was the first big bear I've ever encountered.
2: Is that is that snuffer? Is that I've heard that? I'm kind of a like not uneducated on that head. Is that similar to the woodsman?
1: yeah i believe it was so they caught the the Winsel woodman Winsel woodsman and the rothar snuffer and i'm pretty sure it was you know it was roger rothar and the Winsels. Uh, i don't know you know one's a little bit wider the snuffer tends to be really wide and the winzels more of like a if it wasn't a three blade it'd be more like the three to one ratio or just a okay. smidgen over an inch wide and the snuffers like a, a big three blade, they're inch, you know, the 145s I think are about an inch and a quarter. You've, you've shot so there, huh, Bob. Great.
0: Yeah, yeah, the, those snuffers that they were, I think they were made by Roger a long time ago and then maybe, or Magnus made them for him. I don't, I don't know the details, but yeah, and then the woodsman was just basically the Wenzel brothers kind of, <sighs> Made a little sleeker design, basically. But, yeah, I killed a lot of deer with Woodsman's. I could never get a snuffer to fly right, but I'm not a good arrow tuner guy either, so.
1: I can't get them to not whistle. They kind of have a whistle, and someone told me if you, uh, if you um, well, they're vented. If you go with the piece of metal right at the back of a vent and sharpen it so it cuts through the air a little bit better. Really? that It takes a whistle out
0: of them, but, I don't know, I just shoot them whistling. See, I've never had. Have you ever had a woodsman whistle? Because I've heard guys say that too. I haven't messed with the woodsman that much. Bob
1: Bob Smith has killed a pile of stuff with woodsman.
0: Yeah, but I haven't messed with
1: the woodsman. I got a
0: couple here, but whistle on me or nothing. I I always had really good luck with them. On on deer, I never shot elk with them, but always had good luck on the deer with them.
1: His buddy Fink, Justin Fink, shot a uh, an elk last year in Idaho with one. I know Ron uh,
0: French
2: shoots the woodsman uh, on elk and has had really good luck. I thought you had to have like hundred dollar a piece broadheads that come into custom boxes to knock the elk down. I thought that was like
1: that's just the new that's just when you don't want to learn how to sharpen a broadhead.
2: Oh, okay, that's what it is. Well, what's the what's the <laughs> like the fancy metal box for? It? That's like after you. Before you see the animal, you pull it out of the box. I'm, I'm not sure what that is, but that, that looks fancy. I don't know
1: either. I don't know. So you display all those broadheads that don't have any blood on them? I guess.
2: Yeah. 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 That's fancy. <laughs> I bet you the elk know that they're getting shot with a $100 broadhead. They're like,
1: I'm, I'm taking a dirt <laughs> Just nap Just give right up now. the
0: ghost. I can't yeah. believe it's that <laughs> okay. expensive. You guys were telling me that at the shoot. that you know, I was like, What? Blown away.
1: Oh, yeah. $35, $40 bucks a piece. And, well, some of them, well, you get some of those, uh, what are they called, bishops. They're a couple hundred bucks a piece.
2: Jeez. $200 broadhead, $100 broadhead. It's totally nuts. And I mean, You can get, like, your business card etched into them or your address. or it's,
1: uh, <laughs> I'd say someone can return them after you lose it.
2: Yeah, it's like. I got a lot invested here, man. I, I got my social security number uh, stamped on that sucker. <laughs> I want the U.S. government to to pay their dues when they find this thing. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, uh, just a thought of elk. I'd like to get into some elk hunting. I know we're I know we're about uh, three or four months out, but um, me and Bob have been talking elk hunting nonstop, and I know we got on the phone recently, Colton and Found ourselves uh, on a work night in the wee hours of the morning talking about uh, elk hunting. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: What uh, what, what 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 do you got planned uh for for elk uh, this this season, Mister uh, Borland? Oh me. You. Shit. What do you no, got going?
0: I'm, I'm gonna be busy. I got. I got a few elk tags, three elk tags in three different states. So. It's gonna be a good year, Dang. hopefully. That never works out. And I, I we try. I try not to have. I try to have one elk tag, but my brother is terrible, and he always sways us in the other direction. So it usually doesn't work out having much more than one. But we'll give her a shot. Luckily, Oregon, we have a little extra five days here in the M unit to hunt with a traditional bow. So if trad I, only if extension. I drew that tag second choice. So when I get back from the first two states. I'll be able to hunt a week right here and, uh, hopefully get lucky there. So, yeah, I'm
2: going to hunt some, some desert elk this year.
0: Yep. Yep. So we'll see what happens. we got a good moon this year earlier, which is good. I always, my birthday, September 10th, and it's always good to have a bull down by then. So I'm hoping I can pull that off again. It's happened a few times, but. Definitely. Man, I, don't has, I don't think the moon, or the year
2: the moon has. like the moon has any factor. Where I live. It's usually just raining and cloudy and socked well, in with coastal fog.
0: And the jungle, <laughs> they they don't see the sky, anyways.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But they just they just see blackberries and salmonberries and black huckleberries and old growth timber and coastal dripping fog. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah, Colt. You got to come out and try some uh, some jungle elk with me.
1: I am all for that.
2: I think like uh, I like most people the way are. I
1: try to hunt them here, getting as thick as yeah, stuff well, possible, and
2: yeah, well, it's a little opposite here. You, it's all thick as possible. You're trying to find something you can walk through.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: that seems to be more the tactic here. Like, where can I actually draw my bow back? Uh, that seems to be more the tactic Dang. here, but. So, uh, you, are you most, you mostly just hunt elk in Montana?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, I've, we talked about it. I've acquired a few Wyoming points. I've been really saving them for a special unit, but, uh, yeah, after kind of chomping around in Idaho and the areas I've chomped around in, I'm like, nah, I'll just stick with Montana elk.
2: I'll <laughs> okay, that. So, but, uh, uh, yeah. So you in the past you've been hunting Idaho and Montana?
1: Uh no. No. Hunting bear in Idaho just kinda gave me a feel of the terrain and steep and sick. You know, the area that you know, the northern panhandle that I've hunted. I did guide for a guy over in the salmon area and uh he had a bunch of private land and they were down on the willows down on a little little salmon stream. If I could get my butt on that piece of property and hunt, I'd definitely hunt Idaho again. That was pretty cool. Just super tall, you know, 10, 12 foot tall willows and alfalfa fields on both sides. That was, I could get used to that.
2: Well, that sounds pretty awesome. Um, so Montana has a pretty liberal season. Do you guys get a bow hunt for like six weeks or something? Is that right?
1: Uh, we get our archery season starts the first September of, uh, or first uh, Saturday of September and it goes to, I think the 26th of october around that so yeah we get a we get a real long base
2: you guys probably both know but does, can a non-resident buy a tag over the counter or is it draw or how does that work because i have no idea with montana
0: you well they have a general tag but it's kind of like wyoming you still got to draw the general tag you used to be able to get it Every year, but not anymore. I don't. I don't know what it is. I haven't applied for a couple of years. But way back in like early 2000s, it was kind of hard to get you to get it like as a non-resident once every two or three years. And then they upped the tag prices to almost a thousand dollars. And then it, then you could draw it every year for a few years there. And then with all the other over-the-counter stuff kind of going away, it's gotten, gotten harder again. So I, I think probably. Every two or three years you get a general non resident elk tag It's Montana and then it'll probably go up the Idaho debacle will probably make it worse.
1: Yeah, I got a cousin, Man, you... uh, two cousins that applied to go out to come out this year and with no points they drew, but I don't know what the drawing odds is.
2: And do you do does a non resident have to like um choose like a unit that they're gonna hunt in or is it statewide or how does that work?
0: Yeah, Bob would know more than I would. It's I'm it's sure, pretty much like Oregon. It's it's statewide besides they they have a few kind of premier draw units too, like uh a few units around and then the brakes is all controlled pretty much, but the rest of the state's pretty much free game. Okay.
1: And then they got that archery tag, at nine hundred series elk archery tag that opens up a lot of a lot of areas that are draw that really had to get with the rifle and it used to be for resident hundred percent, but I didn't draw it this year.
0: Yeah, and that's seems like brakes, a good
1: right? Seems like everybody's a bow hunter now. Well the one of them's right here in my back backyard. That's oh, okay. uh right here by the Bear Tooth Highway. Yeah.
2: But we're not losing the opportunity nowhere. Everything's just fine.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah it's fine. <laughs> uh. <laughs>
2: uh,
1: yeah. don't get me started there. Seems like everybody with fifteen hundred dollars extra laying around they they're a bow hunter now. Yeah. <laughs> At yards all that stuff, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. That's
2: about all it takes, man. I, I met a couple guys in the archery shop uh, a few seasons ago. I was in there the week before season picking up some elk calls, and they'd never even shot a bow before. They're like, they said that after we dropped our 1500 bucks on the counter and they spent a couple hours with them, we'd be good out to 40 or 60 And I was like, probably.
1: Yeah, probably so. That's, that's the thing. <laughs> uh, Me and my girlfriend yeah, was the watching problem. bear hunting videos, and uh, there was a you know Canada uh, guided baited hunt, and this girl, I don't know, fifteen, sixteen years old, shot this really nice bear. And while they're doing like little post-shot interview thing, they said that uh, she got that bow a week ago, and had never shot a bow before. And they you know spent a couple hours with her, just like you said and uh now she's a bow hunter yeah, <laughs> yeah. Insta
2: it's the famous it's the bow hunters
1: that's awesome yeah so uh that's the same way I with wanna... those broadheads you're talking about same thing as uh you know you buy these broadheads you, know, you you watch a group of real traditional guys they'll you know be passing the broadhead around filling it oh that's a good sharp you know what, what stones you use what steel do you use what system did you use how'd you do this and people don't want to learn that skill anymore you know that's a skill just like tracking that's a skill just like how to hang a stand that's a skill like you know just like shooting your bow sharpening your broadheads yeah that's a skill nobody wants to learn anymore
2: not just sharpening but mounting them like you know if you're if you're gluing them onto your wood shafts you're gluing them onto feral or if you're having to um, square your carbon arrow, you know getting them to spin. Like I've picked up a lot of guys' stuff and like it's like wobble 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 I'm like, oh bro. Um Yeah. What no did you put any kind of uh, tuning into getting these things ready? That
0: was probably Oh my I didn't eyes. know you had to do that. That was
2: probably
1: my <laughs> <eyes>. <laughs> And then you and then, you know you're trying to push another broadhead onto somebody and they're like well I need two hundred twenty five grains. I've got two tackle boxes here with all the inserts for standard diameter and two oh four diameter carbon shafts. I got adapters, inserts, everything from aluminum to titanium to steel to brass. You can make whatever broadhead most of the time match whatever field tip you're shooting.
0: Yeah. Right. Uh,
1: you know, people think they gotta buy a broadhead that's exactly the same weight as their field tip and I uh, it's it's you guys talk about it, it's it's kinda kinda sad. Seeing everybody lose the, lose the abilities and the skills and stuff. It's kind yeah. of buying easy. I,
0: I listened to, I've listened to a couple podcasts lately. Uh, and they were compound podcasts, but there are a couple of, a couple of the like, you know, top dog mule deer hunters there are out there. And, and, you know, I've always thought these guys, and they are, they're super awesome dudes, pretty humble, like they're good guys, but, after interviewing the guys that we've interviewed, you know, like, you know, Kelzer and Mike Barrett, Barrett and Jerry yeah. Stout, and yeah. you know these guys that are just incredible bow hunters, you know, absolutely incredible mule deer bow hunters, you know, Marv Clink, and and I listen to these guys that are the best of the best, and they're, I mean, they don't shoot them; they get to one of them said forty five to sixty. And then the other one was like fifty to fifty-five. Like they don't get any closer. Uh, they never How even many shot times you deer it? closer than that. They're like, you, that's just that's just not wise. You know, you get to that range, it's that you can't get away with anything closer than that. So you shoot them there, and you're like, what? <laughs>
1: Like that is. How many times you busted a deer out of its bed and it runs to 40 or 50 and stops and looks at you? (laughs)
0: Yes. It's like, man, that, I'm just getting in the game at at 55. You're like, wow, I'm, I got a long ways to go still. And they're just like done, 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 done. Well, geez, no wonder you killed eight mule deer last year. Like damn. But it's, it's just, it's, and and nothing against those guys. You know, they're, they're good. Like I said, they're good, humble guys, but man, we got to start recognizing that there is a big difference in that department. You know, I, I talked to Mike Barrett after season this year and uh, he hunted a deer in one state for 30 days, I think. And it had some big nasty drop time and he hunted this deer for 30 days. And at one time he had the buck at 28 yards and he didn't shoot because he does not shoot past 20 yards and I was listening talking to Scott Kelzer this weekend and he was saying a couple years ago yeah he, he was talking to Mike and he had a had like a 340 bull at like 26 yards and he said ah I can do better and he passed her up I mean that is impressive but I mean that is a guy that just and, and I I was fortunate enough to run into him a few years ago on a hunt out in, on the mountain and he came and had dinner with us for a couple nights, and we told story after story after story, and and I mean he doesn't he he has shot and lost like one animal, one deer in forty five. And when years, you said you know, however long he's been bow hunting, he's just like it's incredible, you
2: know. It is absolutely. And when he incredible. said he could do better, he didn't mean he could find a bigger bull. He meant he could get closer. Oh, yeah.
0: better. Yeah, closer. Yeah, I can do better. Yeah, and it's just like. Guys like that, man, that's who, that's who we should all be striving, you know, and I'm not, I mean, I have taken horrible shots, I've done, you know, I've done it all, I'm an idiot, but but I want to someday be like that, you know, and I feel like at least yeah. I'm working in that direction, you know what I mean, like, that's what we all should strive for, so, anyway.
1: That's the kind of people these new guys in the trad world ought to be looking up to.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. You know, sure. these are the yeah.
1: real killers, so those are the real, those guys are the real deal.
0: Yeah, in- incredible, man.
1: I was gonna say August. Uh, the guy you met at the shoot, he uh, he he quit bow hunting because he shot an elk at seventy-five yards. He quit shooting a compound bow. He said his his this was a year before we really become buddies. He said he called in this bull and his buddy went to draw a lot at you know twenty yards or whatever with compound, and it busted him. It ran out to seventy-five and just turned broadside. And he's a phenomenal shot. I don't care what you give him a slingshot, he'll he can shoot it. And he just drew back and smoked that bull. And I remember talking to him about it. And uh, he's like, that bull won. I shouldn't have killed it. That bull won. And and I still killed it. He's like, this, this ain't for me. So he gave up the compound and started shooting a longbow. Nice. And that was, that was really cool.
0: Yeah.
2: That is really cool. Yeah, for sure. For, for sure. Um, it guys get caught up on what they can do in their backyard. And I mean, even from what you can do in your backyard to what you can do at a 3D course is different, but you, they get caught up in that and they're like, they want to just keep stretching it, stretching it, stretching it instead of like, you know, like Bob is always like a big proponent of dude, go out and stump shoot, you know, go out and be in the woods while you're shooting and see what, you know, what your equipment can do. And, there's something about being out in the woods and strengthening your woodsmanship skills and, you know, trying to do better from trying to get closer than just being, you know, a crack shot. I mean, there's a value of being a crack shot. I mean, it's impressive to see, uh, you know, you've had some, you had an amazing year last year, Colton, and already a good start to this year and you did awesome at that 3d shoot. So it's not like you can't shoot super good, but you know that there's something to be said about being the total package. You know that uh, shooting is a part of it, but having woodsmanship skills and and uh, putting in the time versus just just the backyard shooting thing.
1: Oh yeah, I mean I'm sure you guys are in the same boat, but I've I've shot or I've I've passed elk at 35 yards. You know, 30 yards antelope at oh, yeah. 30 yards big white tails and just you know it's it's, com- it's completely different to stand in your backyard you know shooting out a glendale bucket, at 45 50 60 yards and it's just completely different when animals are moving there's that like we talked about james the uh the anxiety of shooting a you know live animal it's completely different than shooting out a reinhardt elk
2: yeah it's totally nuts, like... There's so much more you have to, uh, to calculate and go through.
1: When I started shooting traditional, I, I obsessed over uh, groundhogs. And I always enjoyed shooting groundhogs with rifles and stuff. And when I started shooting a longbow back in 2000, and it would be the summer of 2008, I, uh, I hunted groundhogs religiously out of, you know, several farms. And it was also a good way to get in good with farmers, you know. I always said find out what farmers hate and get good at killing it, and you'll get hunting ground. So in West Virginia, I'd hunt, you know, groundhogs, and and they all liked it because I hunt them with a bow, so I could shoot the ones out of their, you know, that's underneath their milk and parley, under, underneath their, you know, mom's back deck, underneath the barns, where they wouldn't let people shoot them with a rifle. And just, you know, stalking those animals a lot of times, those out in the open. They've got really good eyes, really good nose. Like, I, I really think that that helped me tremendously and then you'd hunt really hard and maybe kill a couple a week. So you had that, you know, that uh you had that anxiety of, you know, you better make this shot, you work really, really hard. And like you said, you know, that's that's what I was doing. And not just standing there in the backyard just punching a bag. And I think it does help you yeah. tremendously.
2: Yeah, we were talking about that on the phone the other night and I'm definitely guilty of of skipping small game and going right to big game and you know if you read like any of the old publications traditional bowhunter magazine or some even the older stuff you know most uh guys start off on small game for years before they move on to big game and man i i really need to take a few steps back and probably you know put some time in with squirrels and rabbits and, and things like that um because it's yeah, I can see how it would have, you know, a ton of value.
1: When we first moved out here to Montana, uh, rabbits are just open game, just open, open season on them, like a prairie dog or something like that. And they were on the high year. They, they run in like a seven year cycle out here. And they were at the peak when we first moved out here. And it was just, I think mean, it was every evening for a month. We, I'd get off work, I'd grab Carrie and we'd go down to, uh, down south about 20 miles and we'd see rabbits every evening. And that was, that was awesome. And you know, we killed a lot of rabbits, but you didn't feel like it was a gimme unless it was inside ten yards. Because you know they would move. You know, get a little bit of brush. You'd be having to like kneel down, shoot under limbs, and all these are they that you don't really think about in your backyard.
2: But yeah, into live you animals can't replicate in can backyard. Can, no, yeah, animals that can move. I mean, they move around. And did did you do much small game hunting? bob in the beginning
0: um you know when i was a kid not a lot really not with a bow i mean as a kid we i shot a lot of gun a lot of 22s at sage rats and rock chucks that's why i'm 65 percent deaf in my left ear but uh not as much (laughs) with bows man you know you know what when i started really hard and traditional you know when i was like my early 20s and you know i tinkered with it a little bit when i was like 17 18 but once i started plumbing and and you know working and having time and really made the switch like like i said stump shooting i i just every night every weekend you know i'm 45 minutes from the cascades you know up where i used to black hunt and i black tail hunted pretty seriously there for 10 you know from about 20 to 31 or so so about 10, 11 years and man, I just spent every day up there hiking around, scouting, shooting, shed hunting, you know, like looking for rubs and stands and tra- I mean, it was just, I would still, if I didn't, wasn't married and had a kid, that's what I would do every second I had off. I mean, I'm, I'm a hundred percent amused just walking around the woods, stump shooting. I could do that all day, every day and never get tired of it. And cause I'm kind of, you know, as long as I'm in an area where I'm, also scouting at the same time, so I just did that a lot, and I think that, you know, that just helped, helped a ton, man, I mean, I didn't get the, a lot of guys talk about killing a lot of animals, that helps, like, I just, I don't hunt, you you know, you know, James, we hunt in an area where we get one deer tag and one elk tag a year, and if, if you're lucky, you'll get, you know, maybe have two opportunities at a deer and elk, but usually you get one shot, you know, so. Yeah. I, I ha, I didn't get to shoot a million pigs or, you know, stuff like that. I just, it worked for me. I am jealous of
1: those southern guys. Yeah. They get to hunt
0: pigs all year. Yeah, that would be nice.
2: So, back to elk, like, what would, this question's for both of you guys, like, what broke the ice for, for connecting on an elk? Like, I know it's like, hardly anyone unless you just get lucky you go out you get get an elk right away it takes sometimes you know many many years you know it took me many many years to get my first elk i think six um what do you think contributes to you know putting the pieces together you know is it is it the shooting is it the calling uh tracking like what what do you think um Contributed to uh, getting your first elk, or consistently, uh, you know, getting shots on elk.
1: For me, it was hands down your guys's podcast with Paul Madel. Like really? before, it's like you can make noises, but you don't understand the language, and you don't really understand what you're doing. You understand a cow call, you understand a bugle, but you don't understand the 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 cadence of it. You don't understand what they're wanting you to say. You don't understand what they're saying back. And I got one shot at an elk before. I've only killed two elk for the bath. And I got one shot the year before. I killed one last year and the year before. And the year before that, I got one shot. And I just so happened I cut tracks. And I just did a couple cow calls that I had no idea what they even meant. And I was close enough to the bull that it turned around. And I ended up Shooting it low, right in the elbow. air fell out. Bull ran off. He was fine. But definitely the, the thing that changed was Paul Madell. You know the different the different calls, what they're wanting you to say, and just like I said, just understanding what, elk talk a little bit more.
2: And what did you think you took away from that? Like what what were some some of the tactics that uh, you adopted from uh, from Paul?
1: mostly that see that the place that i hunt i mean i can count on maybe one hand definitely two. how many bulls i've heard bugle and i've lived out here since 2016 and i don't know what it is they can say it's the grizzlies they can say it's the wolves but you go to yellowstone and there's more grizzlies and wolves than anywhere and they're bugling their head off so i don't know and then i hunt i hunt public but i access it through private so there's like two and a half miles of private and it kind of puts me in the center of these two accesses public accesses that are five or six miles away so it really kind of i've only seen a handful of people up in there hunting like three so just the fact that they're listening to you without responding like i I just for some reason i didn't understand that so like i've called in the elk that i've called in by you know cold calling and and just sitting there for an hour and it's not fun it's not you know what you see on tv but it it works just trying to you know paint a scenario in their head that there's a couple elk around here you know just screwing off doing elk stuff and then they come to check it out
2: yeah man i'm i'm real guilty of moving on like you know do, do a cold calling setup rake some trees and then I might find myself back there a few days later, and it's like there's like some sign there from two days ago it was like they showed up like probably 30 minutes after I left and tore up yeah. some trees and pissed all over the place, and I'm like, man I've got to uh, slow down a little bit. <laughs> How about you, Bob? What do you oh, think has been like uh, some of the big aha moments for you uh, uh, in your hunting well, tactic?
0: You know, growing up here, and elk hunting since i was a kid you know we we had uh my brother's five years older so him and his buddies kind of drugged me around when i was 13 14 you know so i was pretty fortunate and my brothers one of my brother's good buddies, steven his brother todd and their cousins are just elk killers you know from way back you know they're a little older and i don't know i mean i guess that's kind of where it started and then but same thing, like like Colton's saying, like, it's not like you, the movies, you know, you go out there, it's like, I mean, there's some years we hunted where, yeah, I mean, during the daylight, I heard, like, two bulls. Like, what do you learn in that amount of time? You know, you don't learn anything. You just <laughs> hiked, hike 10 miles a day, all day, every day, and you heard two elk. Like, what the heck? But in 2011, so I was, like, 30 years old, my dad, you know, and I killed some elk along the way there, but just, you know... My dad and brother drew a Nevada elk tag and it was pretty open country, you know, and there wasn't a ton of pressure. It wasn't one of the good units, you know, it wasn't a real good place, but it was still a place and we stayed there for the whole season, you know, almost a month and you kind of got to see the whole rut progress, like from them being in bachelor herds to, you know, moving around, disappearing a little bit, then seeing the small bulls with the herd and then all of a sudden you know then the big bulls show up and you just got to kind of see the whole show and man i just i mean we were so stupid back then (laughs) that and that was what 10 years ago you know we we had this one place and i had deer hunted the same area so i knew where the elk summered and so that's why i had them apply for that tag and we went up in there and this is early you know into august and we literally glassed like 40 different bulls from one glassing spot i mean they're they were all just hanging out up there and we're like well crap you know it's gonna be a tough stock here or tough stock there yeah. let's just wait we're call we're elk callers you know we're from oregon we call an elk like let's just wait till they start bugling and we'll just come back and call in like 50 bulls it'll be awesome right well we went back and checked on them a few days later like yep still there there's a couple less you know and then we we went back like four or five days after that, and all of a sudden, like they were gone. Like they just they all took off. We're like, what the hell? I mean, it was it was absolutely retarded of us not to just be stalking them. But they all that's where they summered, and they all went to go find cows and do their thing. And we just were so we were so stuck in our rut of just this is how we hunt elk. I mean, we're we're from Oregon. We live in the thick stuff. I mean, we we run around. We call we call them in. We kill them, and we'd we'd been successful with that that we didn't even, we we just had no clue what the hell we were doing. It was absolutely retarded. So I I learned a lot that year. That would probably be my biggest learning curve right there.
2: That's cool. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense being able to observe them and, and see how elk act without them being hidden in the bushes. I think, like, I always go into the season, even, like, August 28th or whatever, you know, when it opens this year, or, you know, around that where it opens every year. Like, you have it set in your head, like, you remember those good times when they're screaming, and you just want them to do that every single day, every time you go out there. And obviously that doesn't happen, and that's not realistic. And you just, I find myself just fishing and fishing and fishing for that that scenario, that situation. And I finally, like, I was reading uh David Peterson's Man Made of Elk, I started to read that book years ago and then I just put it down it was like, I wasn't ready for it. And then I read it right when season ended this year after just really getting my butt kicked. Um, and I hunted hard last year, man, with a, with every intention on, you know, bringing an elk home. And I didn't even get a shot at an elk and man, i just realized that y- you really do have to have a, uh, uh, a big box of tricks. I mean, you got to be, you know, glass them where you can glass them, and call them where you can call them, and and wait, Send wait for them, and ambush. <laughs> yeah, ambush where you can ambush. Smoke a cigar, yeah. Like, like whatever. Uh, the the more uh, tactics you have, the 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 better chance I think. And I, I think I've overcalled to the point where my elk are like, oh yeah, there's that knucklehead again. Uh, like, it works pretty good the first few times, and then they they kind of get, uh I'm not saying they get educated to the calling, they get educated to my calling. It's like the same elk, and I, I've noticed some guys, they move around a lot, so that they're always, you know, trying to talk to different elk, and I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't, I got still, like, still, haven't, I haven't figured it out, but man, I'm excited about this season, because I'm planning on going into it, like, using tracking and trailing and ambushing and calling, you know, I'm planning on spreading out my, uh, my calling with, with other tactics and, and not just trying to go all in with one, one thing. And I know like at the end of season, when calling wasn't working, I'm like, I'm done with calling. I'm never calling again. And I've come around to like, no, calling's good, but you know, you gotta have, uh, you gotta have a big vocabulary, uh, of, of tactics. I think, and you look at guys that are real successful Um, I think that even like Paul Vidal, who is the elk calling master, he's doing a lot of different things. It's not just, uh, the same thing over and over again. Would you guys agree with that? I would.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, like, don't, for me, it's like, I don't, I, I kind of hunt my own way. I don't get, you know, and I think every person, I, I read a book. One of the Wenzels wrote it, and it was one of their whitetail books or something, but they talked about, like, he talked in there about different kinds of hunters, you know, there's the, you know, basically guys that, you know, there's ambush hunters, and there's this, there's several different types, you know, and don't get stuck in, well, you know, so-and-so does it this way, so that's the way I have to do it, you know, or you, you know, I think we, we come from a generation of guys that watched Primo's videos, and, Right. And we literally grew up waiting for the next, or at least I did, you know, you waited for the next truth video to come out every year at the sportsman show, you know, like, and then you watch it like, God, this is awesome. We well, also have to remember they're hunting the, the hill ranch in freaking Montana. I mean, it's like, it's a different world, you know, so, so, yeah. you know, like it, it depends on the area you're in, you know, the terrain you're in, what time of year it is, like you, you know, it just, it goes back to, like you are saying earlier, just learning about, you know, it's like learning about sharpening your broadheads. It's like, well, you know, it's, it's September 3rd and I'm in this area and and the elk are usually doing this. I mean, it's, it's different on the Oregon coast at that time than it is in, you know, Nevada and it all depends on the weather too, you know, it's, it's just, there's so much to it and it's, it's just, you know, like you said, learning the whole picture of what's going on and And, you know, my brother's always been a, you know, giant Paul, you know, Paul Madel. And I was always like, man, I you know, like, that's all just, there's a lot to it that I, I try to, I try to simplify things even more. And I've always had pretty good luck with that. You know, like, I don't, I don't get too crazy with, you know, too much stuff. You know, like, I've learned that, you know, calling works good at certain times. You know, like, they like... I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but, you know, I mean, I've learned over the years. You're not a lot, of, for the most part, you're not going to call an elk back from the direction he's going. And that sounds really, really stupid and simple, but how many times have you been behind an elk and just screamed and screamed? And how many times did that elk turn around and come back to you? Think about that. Well, no, I think that.
1: Just to show how little experience I have in hunting elk because of the two elk that I've killed, well... The one elk that I shot in the shoulder and the one elk that I killed, I called it back. Yeah, but that just well, goes to show how little experience that I have.
0: But, you know, you're probably, yeah, it depends on the time of year and if you're sitting there for a while. But, you know, for, for me, it's like I, I've had much better luck if they're already heading, you know, if you get between where, where they are and where they're heading. I mean, obviously your odds, same with a turkey or anything else, your odds just went up oh, yeah. tenfold right there. And so, you know, I, I, I kind of use those things a little more maybe than most. And, and I have, you know, the older I get, the less I call and the more bulls I call in, if that makes any sense. I mean, to, yeah, you know, like I sat one day in Nevada last year. I, I knew where some bulls were hanging out, and they were pretty nocturnal. So I basically, we sat on a hill. I got in there like 2 in the afternoon. And I just kind of set up the scene, you know, like a herd of elk bedded on this ridge. And it was, I mean, and I just, I don't know, you know, I've sat there for probably half an hour, 45 minutes after we got there. Cow called a few times, like some cows bedded, you know, just a little bit. And then I'd wait half an hour, 45 minutes. I mean, you know, from two to eight at night, I played around like that. And then right before dark, I kind of cranked it up, you know, and then bam, dude, right at dark. We had like six bulls right on top of us. It was insane, and that and I hadn't, I hadn't had any luck calling any elk in the three weeks previous. You know, I just got lucky. I, you know, I knew I knew where they were, and you know, I mean, just little things like that. I don't know. Like, there's guys that do it. There's there's a lot of guys that are really successful, and it seems like a lot of them do it a lot of different ways. So you got to kind of play to it's your. It's
1: still part. it's still hunting. You still got to exactly. You still got to kind of adapt as. You know, minute by minute, second
2: yeah. by second. Yeah. I think, um, when I'm hearing, hearing you guys, I, I'm thinking of, uh, some stuff that I'd learned from Norm Johnson early on. And, um, he had made that same type of, uh, uh, comment that elk are, are, can be very easy to call in when you're calling them to where they want to go, like where they're already going. And then I had made the comment to him kind of uh, like Colton like oh well I've turned a few elk around and he's like well did you turn them around or were they going where they wanted to go and you bumped them off and then you called them back to where they wanted to go. And I was like scratching my head and I was like I guess they were coming that way mm-hmm. and then I brought them back but they were going to where they wanted to go. Like they, they have they, they 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 wanted to go to their bed or they wanted to go to their feeding ground and, and when elk's are, have their mind made up where they're going. Um, and if you can be where they're headed, it's a lot easier to, uh, to, to bring them in. I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I, you know, it's like little pieces like that I don't think about. And then I hear you guys say it, you know, I hear you say it, Bob. And I'm like, I'm just thinking about all these scenarios, you know, cause in elk hunting for the guys that don't do it, um, man, it's like every day you, you, you you get a lot of I get a lot of interactions with elk um, where I hunt. Um, I don't get a lot of shots, but I get a lot of interactions, and and I'm a slow learner. So putting these pieces together um, and trying to make sense of them all, but like and when I hear other guys speak on it, I'm like, oh, I'm thinking of that scenario or that scenario, or like oh, this scenario, and it's it's easy to play armchair quarterback and think, well, I should have done this and it would have worked, but it's more just like being uh, observant of of, of their behavior and, and, uh, finding your style, like you said, and where you fit into that equation. And yeah, man, I'm, I'm super excited about September and, and trying to uh, make some adjustments on how I do things. I know, uh, me and Colt were talking and I was asking him, um, cause we're talking about, uh, elk hunting together, not this year, but next year. And, um, I was asking him, like some guys like to go really fast and some guys go, you know, I, I'm really slow. I like to spend a lot of time kind of reading sign and listening and smelling and, and, uh, I'm just really, it's really interesting hearing how, you know, how guys, uh, develop as elk hunters and the tactics that they, uh, pick up along the way.
0: Yeah. And it's, and it's different too. Like, you know, I help with my brother a lot. Like I hunt way different when I'm by myself than I do with my brother. Because when I'm yeah. with my brother, you know, we, we got a caller, we got, you know, we're, we're in a different mode and he's, he's a little more high strung. He's, he's run and gone, you know, and then like, and so we hunt, I hunt, we've learned, you know, we do pretty good together. We hunt that way. But when I'm by myself, I mean, I just, I hunt way different. I mean, sometimes, you know, I just, you know, I don't know, you just stand there for a while and you know what I mean? Like you just do whatever you want. It's kind of nice sometimes, but. It's also really nice yeah, to stand up against the for an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah I mean, sometimes <laughs> that works.
2: <laughs> yeah, when I'm hunting by myself, um, like I heard Paul Medell make this comment, like how annoyed he is by hunting with guys that want to stop all the time and take clothes off or do this or do that. And I thought to myself, well, man, he would not like to elk hunt with me. Um, I really like to go pretty slow. Like if I feel like I'm sweating, I'm like, that's oh, time to stop. Uh, if I'm, you know, a little bit cold, put on some layers, take some layers off. Like I, uh, move around the woods pretty darn slow, just kind of hoping that, uh, and often that works, uh, well, it, it, often I'd see elk before they see me. Um, and so that, you know, that doesn't mean I'm capitalizing, but it, it is nice to run into them and then be able to back off of them and check the wind and it and come up with a game plan on how, how you're going to work them. And they don't, they don't even know you're there yet. And over the last three or four or five years, I, I feel like I, I've been getting less of that because I've been so focused on the bugle and just pounding the bugle, like a hammer to the nail, you know, just make this bugle work, make this bugle work. And I'm, I'm kind of excited to go back to uh, sneaking around the woods and, and, trying to see elk before they see me before they hear me or smell me or, or anything like that
0: well and i think too a lot of guys watch those born and raised i mean those guys that's what they they live by that stuff you know pounding yep. the bugle and those yeah. guys are from your country you know but but you also got to yeah. remember there's there's five or six of those guys hunting <laughs> and you and you notice yeah. since they started their videos four or five years ago you know they're they're killing less and less elk and it's getting harder and harder you know what I'm saying? So uh, that's
2: my observation
1: for sure.
0: Yeah, it's uh, yeah. And when everybody else is out there pounding the bugle too, I mean, those elk are smarter than yeah. you think. Where we were hunting, I'm like nobody. You know, you get in uh, Arizona. It, it used to be like if you're down in Arizona or New Mexico or Nevada, like those are states where the residents they most for the most part they're not hunting elk every year. You know, like they got to draw tags like us, and and we're fortunate you know, Montana or uh, Oregon. Like we get to hunt elk every year for now. And, uh, we always, you know, we show up to those places. Like we know how to call. We're the shit. You know what I'm saying? Like me and my brother, that's the way it's always been. We've thought, but you know, what I've noticed the last few years too, is like, well, everybody else there knows how to call now too. Like, it's like, yeah, that used to not be it. it, You'd you'd hear hoochie mamas running around. That was it. Now it's like, God, I thought nobody was calling. Dang it. You know, I, I even uh, yeah the stuff you hear. It's the same stuff you hear with
1: uh like Larry D. Jones, and then you know whenever they discovered the bugle, it was just you know whenever they make the the little reed call and the bugle tube and stuff like that, and it was just unholy yeah. until everybody started getting the bugle tube.
2: Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, I like two thousand eight, it was like that. The archery shops were like. Oh, no one even bugles anymore. That got played out. It was like, it's kind of like bell and jeans. And then, you know, it kind of comes in and out of fashion or whatever. There was like, when I got into it, it was like, it seemed like bugling, like, like you're saying D. Jones kind of made it famous. But then it was like kind of coming out of fashion, at least here locally. And before the Born and Raised guys started really pumping it, man, you could make the worst sounding bugles. I remember, I mean, we were bugling bulls at left and right. And just like, they had no idea what we we're doing. Sounded like. Oh, terrible, and now it's like, yeah, everybody can sound just like an elk, and we're all chasing each other around the woods. I mean, I talked to some guys; they're like, "Man, I had three or four going today." And it's like, I, you probably were just bugling with other hunters today. They're like, really? Like, I think a lot of guys are cheering each other and and out there running around having a good time. And I know I'm guilty of it, man. I'm guilty of it. (laughs) yeah. Like I remember here, I had one going and then I got down there and I didn't run into the guys, but there was no elk sign down in there. Like none, nowhere. And I was like, did I like, I thought there was elk out here, but I
0: don't think there was. I think it was just some other dudes. Yeah. I remember being a kid, a little kid. And, uh, we were camped on this lake over in Eastern Oregon, and this was back. My dad was never, still never really an elk hunter, you know. But they used to use just gas flexes to bugle with, like literally, like little gas flexes behind your thing, and you kind of whistle with them. And he was a plumber, so we that? always had lots of gas flexes. So, I, but I remember standing at this lake we were camped at, you know. And he blew on that thing. And it doesn't sound nothing like an elk, you know, just made a little high. And I remember two elk answering across the lake and just being like, oh, my gosh, it's so cool. But, you know, we didn't even yeah. do anything. We are just like, that was awesome. Anyway.
1: <laughs> there was an outfitter with big horns that had one hanging up on the wall. And I was like, what is that thing? And he, you know, blew into it and made a whistle. And he's like, that's what we used to bugle bulls in with. Yeah. God, go on. Oh,
2: that's like the that, copper nice. pipe.
0: Yeah. Yep. His was like bent into like a circle, like a little loop. Yeah, they're a little. I mean, kind of like guys, came up and yeah, little gas flexes. That's what they used. You know, if you look behind your huh. stove or whatever, that's what they little flexible steel pipe that okay, they, you know, you hook up your gas to your stove or whatever with. You guys should do some more plumbing, learn that shit. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: I, I I think I'm pretty like a
0: pretty like a pretty good elk
2: caller now. But man, that what that does is like a lot of times it's, it does. It just brings in other hunters. Like, like I really, like kind of my, my game plan now is to like not use the bugle tube unless it's nighttime to locate or unless I'm, it's in the middle of the week or unless I'm right on top of them. Like, man, it just seems like, like over in Eastern Oregon, we were just calling in elk hunters from every direction me, me and my buddy john last year yeah i think we were calling in that last uh, three or four days of the season we we're calling it elk guys every hour just guys coming in sneaking with their
1: arrow knocked left and right just every
2: coming from every direction
1: <laughs> what's handy in my area is uh the grizzlies the grizzlies really kind of keep people out of the woods they want to get out of the woods by the time you know they want to get out before it gets dark They want to. They don't want to walk in in the dark. So if you walk around my house, there's I've got a lot of sheds that I find. I'm not a big shed hunter. I just I don't hunt in the areas that I hunt. Kind of you know you can't get away from people everywhere, but the areas that I really focus on hunting is is you get away from people. I mean I found big chalky elk sheds laying out in the middle fields because you can get away from people where I hunt. And I I don't I don't ever I've never called in somebody here you so they don't, want, or cow calling or they don't anything. want to
0: get eaten by a grizzly bear.
1: Yeah, they don't want to yeah. stay out in the, you know, they don't want to camp in the places I camp. and They don't want to, you know, stay in as late. So it's kind of handy, but, but I can definitely see, you know, August runs into it uh, over in the Bighorns. Everybody wants to hunt the Bighorns now because the grizzlies are getting so thick over in the western part of Wyoming.
0: Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think that's, yeah, obviously you can't get away from people everywhere. That's something that a lot of people... Also, you know, like hunting elk that aren't pressured like that is the key. I mean, that's the only way I, that's the only reason I kill elk. I've just, the older I get, the smarter I get. And I try to hunt places where there's not, I'm not bugling a guy every day. And whether that's applying tags or picking up a landowner tag or paying a trespass fee on a ranch, like screw it, man. You only get so many septembers. Like I don't need to call in a guy every hour. And you know, if I got to work harder. And the my in the off season and work some rat jobs, side jobs, whatever. Like, man, that guys need to start realizing that's that's the way it's gonna go. You know, like
2: that makes me go back to once again. You know, uh, I already brought up Norm Johnson, but I, you know, he taught me a bunch of stuff that I'm just now finally learning. It's like when you hear a joke and you're a little kid, and you you know, you hear a dirty joke and you don't <laughs> yeah. even have a dirty mind yet, so you don't get the joke until like years <laughs> later. Um, it, 10 years later, th- you like, walk into
1: Walmart and you're like, oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> that's awesome. uh,
2: like, like, dude, Norm taught me a bunch of stuff about tracking and trailing and, 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 and really saving my elk calls till, till they were needed. Yeah. And he was always like, I would rather hunt somewhere where there's only one elk and no people than somewhere where there's tons of elk. And he, and I don't need to hear a bunch of bugles. And, and I was always like, man, I was like, I was foo fooing that because I was like, Oh, I want to be Paul Medell and I want to call an elk from every direction. And I want him screaming. And you know, I, you know, you hear like Stephen Ranella say, Oh, I don't want to shoot the Turkey unless he's like strutting and clucking and doing, doing, doing the thing, doing the Turkey thing. Like I, I had that, like, Oh, I don't, I, I got, I want the bull to do all these things before I shoot them. And, and now I'm kind of like, well, now that I'm not chewing on elk meat for the last couple of years, I'm like, um, you know, and reading, reading, uh, that man made of elk book, I'm like, man, it's time to go back to the the drawing board and maybe going into these terrible places that only have one elk in it and, and, and no people does have a lot of value. And yeah, I mean, it's, well, that's uh, a, that's a good lesson of,
0: you know, I've been obsessed with bow hunting since I was a little kid. And so I've always just, you know, I used to read every magazine, you know, watch every, you know, used to be VHS videos, but. I mean, just, that's all I did was just study bow hunting. And so whenever you get an opportunity to hunt with somebody like Norm Johnson, like yeah. do it and listen and learn. Like these guys, like for yeah. me, like, when I started blacktail hunting, I didn't know what I was doing. I was like, man, my, you know, like I said, my buddy, Steven, his older brother, Todd Hill, just kind of like your local, you know, hillbilly legend in our country, like, he was the blacktail hunter, like he killed big bucks, you know, compound guy, but he killed big bucks every year. And so, you know, one year I was, I was started blacktail hunting on my own and I got into these bucks one day. Well, Todd heard about that, you know, and I knew, you know, he's one of my good friend's brother, you know, and he's like, Hey, you want to go hunt with me tomorrow? Well, he just want, he wanted to come hunt, you know, where I was hunting, but I was like, sure. Yeah. And I just remember just like he wasn't doing a lot of different things, but he was just doing a few different things. And like, it would have taken me at the right time. Yeah. It it would have taken me 15 years of figuring that out on my own. And I literally just, I just listened and paid attention that day. And I'm like, and from then on, I was like, bam, I know what to do now. I mean, it's pretty, you know, like it wasn't rocket science, but it was just like a few things. Like, you know, I was used to hunt mule deer and, and it's just like, it was different. and, and, You learn from guys like that. And then, like Danny, we've had Dan Godfrey on the podcast a couple times. He was a huge part of me ever being able to kill anything with it. You know, he was there when I killed my first deer with a recurve. You know, it was like, I had played with recurves since, you know, and longbows since I was like 14 or 15, but I would hunt with them here or there. You know, I never put an arrow through anything, and then I'd go back to my compound, and, well, here we are. We're 20 years old, you know, apprentices. And, uh, here's this guy that, you know, recurve guy, he's killed all kinds of elk, he's 10 years older than me or something, but, and, and just going out and hunting with him, it was like, man, all right, and and like I said, it wasn't big things, it was just those little things you pick up, like, this is possible, I'm not doing anything super wrong, it's like, it gives you confidence, too, of of like, all right, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing anything wrong, Uh, even if that's all you need, then, bam, that's all you need, so, that, that's why I love getting these old guys on that have been doing it forever. And like, I think a lot of guys just poo poo and like, oh, it's just old crust. He's like, man, if, if you're a bow hunter and you're obsessed with it and you want to learn how to bow hunt, like that's how you learn, man. You listen to these guys that have been doing it forever and you pick up those little things and, uh, you know, learn from there. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, if, if you only, if you, if you
0: only implement the
1: stuff that you learn yourself, You know, you get what 60 years of bow hunting, maybe. And then, you know, you you get your, yeah, if you're lucky, if you get around somebody that's, you know, that's got 40 years of experience and you got 20 years of experience, well, now, you know, you can absorb what they've learned and now you have 60 years of experience. You're not even 60. Yeah. And then another person with 40 years of experience, you know, you can, you can get all this experience. And that's what, you know, I've, I've met a lot of guys that, that plateau really quick they'll kill a few things and really feel like they, you know, they've, they figured something out. They, you know, they don't, they stop listening to people and they don't get in groups of people that, that know more than them. And they plateau super quick. Like they, you know, the worst thing to do is I, I be think, the best hunter in the, in, in the best hunter in the group. That's the worst thing. You always want to be you know learning yeah. off people.
0: Exactly, man. I,
2: I think yeah. that there's a flip side to that as well. Like, I wouldn't say that like I'm like oh I'm I've got this ego where I'm where I'm like I'm awesome. It's more like I'd go out with Norm Johnson and I would be like oh I want to show him all my elk hunting spots and I want to show him how good I can chuckle on my bugle tube and 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 I want to impress him instead of yeah. paying attention to how he works the
1: wind and how he makes. I've definitely done vision. that you meet somebody you meet somebody and you're, you're you want to tell them you know all your stuff and then <laughs> and then you walk away and you're like shit i should have just yeah. let them talk <laughs> like i didn't bring yeah. nothing <laughs> to that i didn't you know yeah. nobody grew from me running my mouth there yeah or or you have like this pre
2: like i was saying this this deceived idea of you know i want to be this calling master and i'm hunting with this guy that's that has other ways of getting it done and instead of paying attention to how he does it uh i'm you know and i pull the bugle out and he looks at me like don't blow on that bugle tube and i'm like what the heck why doesn't he want to, this 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 could work and instead of like learning like why why does he not think it's a good time to bugle um why does yeah well, man it and, definitely and
0: James, you have some of the best elk you know elk hunters in the world live right by you
2: right by me I right mean, by you me.
0: got norm you got danny Gary wallace norm wallace and you got yeah. danny and dan like like dude if i hunted roosevelts i would have 15 years ago went around and ta- just i mean dan i'll carry your bow for you like you know what i mean like <laughs> dude for no, a weekend me. i will no, make your i already told them I'll call your bulls, yeah. and, you know, I'll carry your elk out. Just, yeah. I mean, dude, you'll probably learn more in a day. Of hunting. And I've never done it with them either. um And I should, but. No, if I ever trust get me, I, I already called
2: them. Yeah, I already called them. And I was like, Dan, like, if you'll take me elk hunting, I'll do like, I'll be a fly on the wall. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Like, I don't even have to, I don't even want to shoot one. I just want to like, watch you shoot one. Or and he's like, oh, that's stupid. I want you to shoot one. And I'm like. Yeah, no, totally. Like, uh I I, I want to rewind and be like, man, I cannot believe I'm such an idiot that I have, like, like these super awesome dudes at my disposal. And I basically discounted them because I wanted to be, like, primo's uh born and raised outdoors. Like, you know, I wanted it to go down a different way or I wanted them to see that this is how the new guys are doing it versus, like, wait a minute. These guys have bulls on their wall and they're chewing on elk. Every year, they live. They're like men, made of elk, and and I'm so stupid to not see that. Um, and that that really like all elk season long. That real, I really hit me last year. Like all elk season long, I was like, man, um, wow, like.
0: Well, and another a, thing that I've, I've learned a lot of, a lot of people of, that don't realize either is, and I know you've you've put in the time the last few years, but I'm saying for the most part, most guys. That are consistent at it aren't going out and hunting elk for a week. They're they're no. hunting every at least for me. Like I'm in the woods every single day hunting from the time oh, the yeah. season ends and it you know, begins till it ends. Like in some years I don't get one. That's just the way it goes. So if you're only hunting for a week, you know, yeah. and, and I get an elk once every couple of years you know and i'm hunting for four weeks you you see what i'm saying that means you might only get one one every one every eight years that's just simple math yeah and so yeah and i'm sure colton i know he's out there every day of the season hunting like the reason he's killing so much and so many animals all the time because he hunts his balls off and i had guys when i was killing blacktails all the time they'd be like oh man i want to come up there and i want to hunt with you and like i had all these secret spots and you know how blacktail hunting is james like I would take guys right where I hunt, and be like, "Yeah, okay, you know, come up and yeah. hunt," and they come up and hunt with me for yeah. a couple of days, not see shit, be soaking wet, cold, and then they go home and they would never come back. They'd just be like, "Well," but I was there the whole season and I'd finally get one. You know what I mean? Like that's that's the difference. I think a lot of people, you know, I think especially with the popularity of hunting right now, like a lot of guys think it's cool, but man. There's a lot of days where you're just, you gotta love just being outside and soaking it up or you're not gonna be successful. Especially with a recovery. Embrace the suck. Yeah. yeah.
2: You you also gotta, you also, you gotta like, you really do need to like pay attention, like learn from day, day in and day out where I'm guilty of doing the same shit over and over again, expecting a different result because I do. We got a 30 day season. I probably, I always take, you know, I always get a 12 day stretch. I get all the weekends. So that's 17, 18 full days. And then I get evenings because I live right next, I live in elk country. So I mean, I'm hunting 28 of the 30 days and I'm getting 17, 18 full days, but man, I'm guilty of, of not, of just doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. And you tell it just finally, you know, it's just like, whoa, if, if, if it's just not working out. And yeah, I've gotten lucky a couple of times. In there, but man, I don't want to get lucky anymore. <laughs> like, I want to, I want to kill elk through skill set. And I, I remember uh, reading something from Chuck Adams, and you know that guy's just a straight up killer. And well, I mean, everyone knows that, but he, he basically was just like, time in the field is is going to put animals in the freezer. He's like, if, you know, if, if if you're not like you said, you're not going to get it done in five or seven days, like. Most guys only get an elk every five or six years, but the guys are getting them every year. They're, they're hunting 20 days, 30 days, 40 days. Like, yeah, it's time spent. I ever hunted right?
1: consecutively was 42 days. Yeah. I hunted, I think it was, uh, 28 days I had off and then evenings and it ended up being like 43 days. I think it was before I, before I missed a day of hunting and that was whitetail elk and mule deer, and the only thing I killed was a white or a mule deer doe and a mule deer spike,
0: in 43 days. Yeah, I had. But you got to put it in time. Two different seasons where I hunted. Oh, I think like 42 days one one year and 47 days in the, the other year, and they were they were a couple years apart. But uh, I didn't get shit, <laughs> and, and I had the guys at work just they just laughed they made fun of me like one of my, my lieutenant at work he would go surfing all the time down the coast and he'd just send me pictures of elk standing by the road and be like bob bob what the hell are you doing like i could have killed this one with a rock you know they're just they loved it they just thought i was an idiot and <laughs>
2: oh dude but that's what it takes you should talk to the guys i work with like <laughs> i'm always they're always like Oh, you, you went to Hawaii and hunted for seven days. What'd you get? Oh, you you went, you went over to Eastern Oregon for 14 days. <laughs> did, did you get your elk? Oh, you went here, you went there. And they're like, bro, do you ever kill anything? And I'm like, sometimes, but yeah, like, well, you know, they're rifle the hunters. And they don't get it. Yeah.
1: Now but I work like, with, a bunch yeah, of, I, mean, I used to work with a bunch of rifle hunters and we got a lot of town deer and town bears. And, uh, man, they'd be like, what? Well, I saw six on the way to work today. Like, yeah, I'm not hunting yeah. down by the zip trip gas station. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's, hunting with the stick and string.
0: Yeah. It's worth it in the end. Yeah. man. it is when it finally happens, it's worth it. And, and I, you know, that's why I like going back to where we started, you know, that's why I like to have one elk tech because it's like, if I hunt all year, I'm lucky to, you know, kill an elk. Like, and that's just the facts of it. Even if I'm in a good, you know, you could be hunting in a really, really good spot too. You know what I mean? Like it's just still hunting and, and even then, you know, so having three I of them told, stresses I, me out.
2: I told this to Bob, Bob's going to remember this. This was recently. And, uh, cause Bob's always laughing at me and I know, and we, we talk like all the time, like every day. And like, for example, last year I went and hunted mule deer for a week and then I hunted Roosevelt, and then I, then I went and hunted Rocky Mountain elk, and, and I spread myself out and through, you know, the southeast part of the state, the northeast part of the state, the western part of the state, and I hunted with this guy, and I hunted with that guy, and then I went with this guy, and I hunted with his sister, and I hunted with his brother and his uncle, and uh, I said, Bob, I got an idea. And you're, you're like, what? I'm gonna stay home this time. I'm gonna hunt behind my house, and I'm gonna do it by myself. The whole time. And you're like, that's the best idea you've had in a long time. <laughs> like,
0: uh, like, grass. Put all your put, put,
2: put, Yeah, like, put all your time somewhere and, 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 uh, don't share your time with a bunch of people and just, you know, figure it out. Like, I think, uh, that might not be the funnest way to do it, but I think that's my best shot at, uh, putting all these pieces together
0: yeah and another thing
1: i kind of did that with turkey season this year i did that with turkey season i uh you know it seemed like every weekend i made plans to hunt with somebody and obviously i've killed you know a pile of turkeys with a bow so it was always like setting them up to shoot and i had a great time with some awesome people but i didn't i didn't tag out in my area for the first time in i don't know four years or so yeah i, I killed one turkey but you know I don't know, that's, I don't, you know, obviously I hunt a lot with a stick bow, but I don't mind at all at the end of the season picking up a rifle and that's where the camaraderie comes into it. You know, that's when, that's when I get with people and it's, you know, laid back and stuff like that, but, I don't know, you, we you don't can't have really that do that with a in stick Oregon. bow.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, you hard. can't do that in Oregon. pick a rifle or pick a weapon.
2: Yeah, we don't get, yeah, it's pick a weapon. We don't, we don't get to pick up a rifle at the end of the season.
0: Yeah, we just, I wouldn't mind that. We just go to the store and buy beef. <laughs>
2: yeah but yeah
0: like what what you know just what colton was saying there if you another thing you know as a guy who is obsessed with bow hunting since i was a little kid like you also and this may be weird but i also kind of like study the guys that that have you know killed elk every year you know or the guys that are doing that and you look at those guys and most of them hunt by themselves you know like the yeah. the casey yep. brooks and the michael parks you know like my buddy steven his yeah. cousin michael is you know like he's killed like 50 some elk with a bow and he's he makes less money a year than any of us like he's just a normal guy and uh but i mean i know him you know for through the cousins like the, you know like the, those guys take it took it take it very serious like they don't hunt together he doesn't even hunt with his brother i think he hunts with his brother now that they're older but yeah. i mean they're they're on their own they're their, their their goal is to kill an elk, and so that's what they do. And if you're going on an out-of-state hunt with a guy like that, he's like, okay, well, when I kill an elk, I'm bailing and going to the next state. You know, that's how you kill 50 Yeah. Elk. Whereas, like,
1: you know, yeah, with I... me and
0: my family, it's like, I'm not bailing on my brother <laughs> if he hasn't got an elk and coming back to Oregon. Like, we're in it together, man. And and that's just, it's a different, it, it's different, but it's awesome, too. You know, like, okay. we help each other out and we probably don't kill quite as many elk because of that obviously but so you got to take some of those you things can, into consideration too
2: but you're still in the game too like like the few years where I've tagged out I'm still going out I'm taking other people out where I'm still getting a chance to learn from the elk and help other people and but I think like you're saying that there's a lot of value in hunting by yourself and in the beginning of my elk hunting I always was like wanting to be teamed up with somebody all the time and you, you get to do your own thing and learn your own way when you hunt by yourself a lot. And I, I definitely, I tend um, to hunt,
1: I tend to hunt a little faster when I'm with somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering, I'm worried, I'm worried. Are they bored? Are they, you know, wanting to go? Are they, you know, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you're always kind of worried about, you know, well, you know, what do you think? And, like, you know, you think in your head, like, well, they probably don't want to walk over that canyon. Okay, we'll just go this way. Exactly, yeah. You, know? you know, like, obviously with my brother, you know, like, fortunate that we've been doing it so long that I like taking him places like that more. <laughs> but, you know, he's usually the one that, you know, let's go down there. Like, that's one thing, like, when I talk about, you know, strengths and weaknesses, like, my brother, his strength is not planning... Is not being ready for the hunt. Like I mean, we'll show up to go hunting for a month, and he'll be he'll show up without his underwear and shit. I mean, he's just he is hilarious. But man, when it's when it's down and out, and you haven't freaking seen an elk in fourteen days, he is always a hundred percent into like, let's go over that next canyon, man. There's a big one over there. Like he's he never lets up on the freaking the gas pedal, man. I mean, it's just insane, and that has. That has killed us a mil, a ton of elk over the years. And you know, whereas I get, you know, like after so long, you're like, man, there probably ain't nothing over there, you know? So, you know, that there's, everybody's got their strengths and weaknesses. So.
2: Yeah. And then, yeah, exactly. And trying to figure out, you know, what yours are and, and, and like you say, just taking advantage of paying attention to, uh, uh, these guys that have done it and, and not like, trying to figure out how you know you're going to show them what the latest and greatest thing is but to like figure out how how do they get to point A? I, I remember dan godfrey we were out chasing uh his hound dogs and we came into this beautiful timber and there was a big old wallow there and it was just gorgeous and i was like oh my gosh this is awesome this elk country and i'll never forget he looked at me and he said would you hunt this And at first I thought, like, he was thinking that I was referring to, like, wanting to hunt his his ground. So I was like, well, no, I wouldn't come here without, like, you know, talking to you. And he goes, no, is this the kind of ground that you like to hunt? And I was like, oh, yeah, man, this is awesome. And he shook his head and he goes, I wouldn't step foot in here. And he pointed over to just the thickest, nastiest cover over there. And he was like, he goes, you're going to kill your elk over there. He goes, you don't even want to step foot in here. And I was like, okay, I'm an idiot.
1: <laughs>
2: like, and it, uh, and at that moment, I didn't say I was an idiot. I was like, it, it, it didn't even dawn on me. I was like, I don't even know what he's talking about. But it, it took me a, a few minutes to figure out, or maybe a few days or a few years. I'm not sure which one it is. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, you know, guys like Danny. I mean, that guy, I think he's only, like, not got an elk once or twice. And he hunts this stuff that's pretty impressive that's wild yeah
1: it's it's a uh, hunting buddy that that kind of pushes you and stuff and i was lucky to start hunting with august the only thing that sucks is he's in uh he's in wyoming i'm in montana we only live 60 miles apart but he lives in a completely different state so we don't get to elk hunt together and you know if we do if you know i went down and called for him a day or two and we're going to plan a few more months but we're not really hunting both hunting you know we got to come up with each other but yeah having a having a hunting partner that keeps you motivated and keeps you going i'm, I'm bad about that i get kind of lazy but i hunt mostly by myself i mean 90 percent of it mm-hmm. is by myself and you know i'll get frustrated and get lazy and it's definitely handy to have somebody with you that, come Well let's you know we you know I bet you we hear a bull, you know, over in the next canyon, or you know, I bet you there's a bear feeding over in, you know, an area that we saw a bear a couple of years ago, like stuff like that. Yeah,
0: and and another thing, I'm sure you've learned, Colton, after doing it for long enough, is is you also learn, like, man, it could happen anytime. You know, if if I just keep plugging along, eventually it'll happen, and you learn that from my
1: Montana bear. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll just say my Montana bear is exactly that. So I, uh, I just had a, a shit day at work. I packed up everything in the middle of the day, and I was like, I'm heading to the mountains. I keep a tote full of camping food, and I came here and just grabbed some stuff for a couple days. Told Kerry, I was like, I'll be back in a few days. I don't know when, you know, but I got service, <laughs> and I headed up on up, up, up to the mountain, camp. You know, hunted that day and camped that night, and got up the next morning, and I got up at like 9:30, slept in, just kind of. Kind of rebooting my brain after a crappy week at work, and took off hiking and hiked about I don't know three four miles and I was glassing different areas that I've I've seen bear that I knew that you know there was south facing slopes good grass wild onions all this stuff I'm looking for, and uh, I get over on this little knoll and I'm just chilling there and I actually was texting uh, uh, Jack Harrison from yeah. California. Yeah, yeah. My buddy Jack. Yeah. Yeah. Jack. Yeah. So I was texting Jack about, uh, some hunting, some, uh, uh, pigs down there.
2: Turkey. Oh, and, pigs, uh, yeah.
1: No, well, we were talking about hunting turkeys too, but we were talking about hunting pigs and, and I like stood up from a pack and I walked about 30 yards from it so I could get away from these pine trees so I could glass this other ridge. And I'm sitting here texting him like about this, you know, and I sent him a picture of you know, what I'm watching and, you know, how he, you can see for miles and miles, and I ain't seen a bear in, well, like three days. And I uh, turn around, and there's a bear feeding, like, 90 yards from me, 80, 90 yards from me, just sitting out in the middle of the field. And I'm right on, like, the rise of this hill, so I just kind of, like, go down to my knees where he can't see me, and I'm like, holy shit, you know, my bow's 40 yards away from me. And uh, so, you know, I, I sneak back and grab my bow and end up stalking it and... And uh but yeah, I mean it can happen at any time. Just go go go, and all I, of a sudden something. Every once in a while, something just falls into your lap. Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah, I was actually talking to Jack, and he was like, I was just texting with Colton, and he was bear hunting, and it was a slow, and, and then all of a sudden he just he just got one. Like just, and I was like, <laughs> yeah. like like I was talking to him when you sent him the text, like I just got one.
1: That <laughs> <I> was like, <laughs> That's awesome.
0: yeah Yeah. and all those all those times over years it it just it helps you along the way you know like you can be several days in or 10 or whatever and and you just know like well i just keep plugging along you know eventually something will happen and then maybe sometimes it doesn't but you know like those are just little mental confidence builders over time that that uh help me Yeah, you're putting
1: yourself in the right places obviously you know you learn over the years and you're putting yourself in the the right places for that kind of stuff to happen
2: that my stepdad always said that uh, hunting was about taking advantage of the opportunity when the opportunity presents itself and the opportunity never presents itself from the couch. Yeah. Yeah. I always liked that. Um, yeah. So yeah. I think this was a, I think this is a really helpful conversation. I mean, I know it just sounds like we're just BSing, but elk hunting's is hard. And a lot of guys, uh, even if they have elk in their backyard or they're traveling to hunt elk, um, it, it, it's easy to get on the podcast and, and hear these stories of, of, you know, I called him in, he came in, he raked a tree. He, he, I waited for him to move his front leg. He moved his front leg, boom, piled them up, short blood trail. I mean, you know, you can see that on YouTube. Um, you can hear that around the campfire, but hearing like, the frustrations and the trials and tribulations of, you know, a guy like myself who's, I mean, I've been elk hunting with a, with a stick bow for 12 years. And, uh, you know, I've gotten one cow elk and, uh, uh, you know, killed it, killed two of them with a compound bow, like real easily. But with the stick bow, it's been just really hard. And I'm getting, a shot or two almost every season. And sometimes I'm getting close shots where I'm missing them or I'm, I'm drawing back on them. And I mean, it's really hard to, uh, to put it all together. And I'd like to think that I'm, I'm close to putting all these pieces together and that I'm, I'm, I'm actually a pretty good elk hunter. I'm just, yeah. That that it's all going to click together. And, you know, I put in my time and, um, Like I say, I want to get them through through skill, not through luck. And well, I haven't been getting them through luck,
0: so Uh, luck's good too. I think I
1: hunted. I think it was sixty-six days of elk hunting before I killed one. Yeah. And it was two trips to Colorado from when I lived in West Virginia. And you know, we came out for seven days, and we just thought it was going to be like what we saw on TV. We went out there and just pushed elk around. Yeah, it's and Roosevelt's. It's like.
2: I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Bob, but it's like a whole nother level of difficulty.
0: Yeah. Yep. Um, I think, hunting, I think you know, I remember there's some we- things that, that, you know, you guys can take advantage of on the, you know, rose, like they don't move around as far as Rocky Mountain elk, you know, like there's, some, right. there's some other things that help you that, you know, but yeah, when you're in the brush, it makes everything harder, man. And the guys don't understand. The guys that live in North Idaho and stuff, they understand brushy, but but add even more brush on top of that, and then you get that and coast. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. I'm, I'm, I the,
2: remember we had Norman, and he was like, he was like, oh, don't be feel sorry for yourself. You're hunting blacktails and Roosevelt's with a stick bow. He's like, that's like, yeah, it's like Mission Impossible. And, and the biggest thing is the wind on the that's in, influenced by the coast. It's like, you, you, there's no reason looking at your phone to see what the predominant wind is today. Like, none of that has value. Like, the wind is just all no, over the, the brush.
0: It's even more important for you to know the areas you're hunting to because guys that don't know right. places like that, there's, it's not like you hear it out, even if you do hear one and, and you want to go after it, like, you can't just go on a straight line most of the time, you know? There's no. certain ridges you can walk down. There's certain draws you know you can like. There's areas that are literally too thick to make it through. If you know that doesn't take you all day to go five hundred yards. Like so, you got to know right. the country to get around in it to start. You know it's it's a it's a bitch.
2: Yeah, it is, yeah. I'm 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 gonna I'm I don't know if I'm gonna master it, but I, I'm uh I'm gonna put I'm gonna put in the work and and see if I can pull some of these pieces together. And, and I'm definitely going to put an effort to, uh, to get back out a couple of days with guys like uh, Danny and, um, you know, you our buddy Matt Starley has been f- finding great success on the coast and, and just really pay attention and, and re- take some notes on uh, uh, how these guys uh, navigate and, and what's their mindset uh, in, in these situations. Because, there's there's a there's a lot to uh to learn from guys that uh are consistent.
0: Yeah. Another thing like it's like the forty year old virgin too though, James. Like you can't put that shit up on a pedestal either. <laughs>
1: don't put the bull on the pedestal, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's,
0: yeah. It's just a dumb elk. Just go kill the thing. Don't don't put it up on a pedestal. That's part of what you got going on too, I think.
2: <laughs> Over overthinking overthinking i told i told that to colton i said man i bet you one of my biggest downsides is i overthink shit like big time and i've got to like simplify my thinking just hunt just go out there and keep the wind in your face and hunt yeah to conclude this uh bs session on how how to and not to kill elk (laughs) uh what (laughs) what uh what, what, what advice would you give, uh, to, uh, you know, what do you think is your, your biggest strength, uh, that's helping you kill elk, Bob?
0: Me? Why are you asking me questions? Yeah. Colton's the guy on the horn here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I'm not a, I'm not well, a big elk. Hunter. I'm, not, I'm not either. I, I'm not either. Goodness.
2: <laughs> you guys have, you, ask yeah, the you elk guys have a lot more
0: experience. Uh, I don't know. Map. I think, you know, just, Having the time to spend in the field is the biggest thing, man. I mean that's it. I mean I've been fortunate enough I'm in the field. You know, I, I worked like Colton, you know, I worked in the trades for a while as a plumber and and then I worked my butt off to get a job at the fire department where I get to take the whole elk season off every year and I've done that for the last eleven years or so and it it's uh it helps when you can go every day. Oh, sure,
1: it's
2: been, And then I was going to ask the same thing to Colton. Like, wh- wh- when it's uh, starting to click for you, like, what do you think, uh, you know, what, what have been your strengths that have made it so you've been able to tag a bowl the last couple seasons?
1: Well, I just, exactly what Bob said, you know, kind of freeing up your schedule and kind of, you know, getting your life you know, stuff in order in order to be able to take the time off to really, really get out there and you, you look at all the people that that kill a lot of things a lot of them you know started their own business or you know have have the ability to take the time off that they really need like you said nobody goes out there three or four or five days and kills elk every year and you know maybe maybe with a compound I know a few of those guys but right you know you're not going you're not gonna consistently kill elk at 15 you know 20 yards hunting seven eight days a year yeah you know, it's just you know, not going be able to do that. You know, I don't care if you're hunting deer, you're hunting bear, you're hunting turkey, you're hunting elk. Just freeing up your time to be able to pursue that stuff and, you know, yeah, learn how to get out there. And, that, and not just so much learn how to get out there, but get, get get the monkey off your shoulders. You know, get get the experience of shooting at animals. Get the experience of, you know, having that anxiety of how much work you put into it to not muff this shot and then get to where you you're not muffing it and all that takes a lot of time
2: yeah yep yeah, i think uh i guess going back to what i said before not taking days off to drive here and to there and to spread myself out then and just to really put the time in is, is definitely the most crucial thing i know we we're talking about uh hunting Wyoming together and I was like man I, I I don't want to come out there unless I can come out for like 21 you know for like three weeks because I know that I've been waiting a long time to you know save up reference points and, and to drive way out there I, I, I want to have uh, uh, enough time in to get a, an opportunity or two for
1: sure well, I thought that was pretty cool you know I've had buddies that had bad experiences with getting people to come out And seven days was too long for them. You know, they cut it short and want to go home or there's, you know, issues with stuff at home and they miss people or whatever and they get home early and, you know, if you're the kind of person that wants hunting buddies, maybe that's, maybe that's a good, good bit of advice. You know, be, be really selective. You know, you can have friends and you can have hunting buddies and you can have friends that are not good hunting buddies. You know, I've had to do that recently. You know, you just don't, you know, some people you just can't be hunting buddies with. Yeah. You know, they're great friends. There's yep. nothing wrong with them. And just, you know, they, their style of their life, you know, will go in a different direction. And
2: Yeah. And there's guys listening yeah. to this right now. They're like, that's nuts. Like, I could never take 20 days off to go elk hunting. I mean,
1: exactly, but it's yeah. just
2: a matter of, like, you like, you know, what you, you can do whatever you want. It's if your
1: priorities, man. Set
2: yourself up for it. Yeah. yeah what prim- your priorities yep, exactly. are.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, I know
1: people say, you know, money, and you, you've talked about, you know, money has not, you know, you can buy, you can buy opportunity, you can definitely buy opportunity, but you don't have to buy opportunity.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah you mean, can, like, you can be like you. I mean, you, you work construction. We've had Mike, well, like Mike Barrett's, like I said, probably the freaking, the most incredible boat <laughs> there is. I mean, he's insane. And he's a carpenter. You know, he, he would take a couple yeah. months off every, like. And that's what, you know, I tell I, my nephews and stuff this, like, you know, all these guys, they, 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 go to school and they get a degree and then they, they get some job that's like, you can't take time off. Like what? They
1: like, get seven days vacation a year. Yeah, you're like, I, oh yeah, you went to school for how many years for
0: that? Yeah. If, if you're what a young guy listening to this, I know there is like, man, like I, I literally was planning that shit out from day one, man. I mean, and that's why I was like, hey, I was gonna, I was gonna go to college and be a professional baseball player. That would have given me a lot of time. And then I was like, eh, I did a year of that. Like, I'm not gonna make it. So I'm gonna be a plumber. I can still take a month off after I'm done with my apprenticeship. You know, my dad does it every year. I'll be able to do that. And then once I got into that, I had some buddies in the fire department. I'm like, man, that's even better. So I, you know, I busted my butt for years, you know, to get into that. And it's like, you gotta plan that stuff out, man. Cause yeah, like a week or two, man, that's, that would be rough. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, well, I, I, I started my own I, business
1: I, there last, during the whole quarantine and everything. You know, we were on unemployment and making more money on our unemployment than we was working. And I saved up all that stuff because what are you going to spend it on?
0: Yeah.
1: And I, I bought a bunch of tools and I, I bought, you know, insurance and I got my independent contractor's license and now I work for myself, which I thought would be really cool making my own schedule and be able to hunt when I wanted. But damn, it's kind of rough. Because now I make my own schedule and hunt when I want, and whew.
0: yeah,
1: that's 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 rough. I had a two day work week last week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I turned around and drove back to Idaho after working two days. Yeah, and yeah, you know, I've and, made a lot of sense. And that's another thing, like
2: to have free time.
1: You know, I killed that bear last week, but I drove to Idaho. I had a cylinder missing in my truck, like it was like sputtering and missing and everything, and. And we tried to throw spark plugs in it to get it to you know and ended up not being completely fixed. And I turned around and I drove to Idaho. I drove a thousand miles round trip with a cylinder missing in my truck and like well two days and just got enough money to really pay my bills and buy some fuel and I went back and I killed a bear. But people don't see that. They just see the bear on Instagram. Yeah.
0: yeah right. I was like,
1: oh yeah, that's that's cool, that's awesome. But you know, the whole time I was like, Am I even gonna make it home? <laughs> Am I even gonna make it there? <laughs> uh, I'd stop and you'd well, all I, gas spitting out of my exhaust, like <laughs> well, of my think, truck with two hundred sixty thousand miles on it.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think you said it real good, right? Like all of what you just said. Like I've always driven vehicles with two, three, four hundred thousand miles on them. I've passed on some pretty good opportunities, waiting on you know this get this gig that I've been waiting on forever, and working for a guy that wants to elk hunt after work, you know, let me go elk hunt whatever I want. I mean, you make, you make sacrifices to, uh, to go after your passions and, and yeah, no one sees that on the gram or, or guys are like, you know, oh man, this guy's, does he, you know, he's hunting all the time. Is he, you know, he's killing stuff all the time or he's not killing nothing at all. They don't see like what, uh, what goes into it. And and not that that matters, but it's, uh, there, there's a. Time, time spent is is the biggest thing, and making sacrifices to have that time.
1: I like when people think that you know it's a result of having a lot of money from somewhat from something. I've told people you know they're like, "Man, I wish I had your money." I tell them you'd starve to death. (laughs) You know, it's all about how you prioritize your life.
0: First time my brother and I went hunting in Montana. I think it was two thousand and two. And it might have been 2000, it had to be 2002 I think. Um, you know, back then there wasn't debit cards and crap or maybe there was, I, you know, used cash for everything so I had to change thing. And we literally, I counted out quarters and it cost me about 40 bucks back then to fill up my pickup and we put all the quarters and baggies and we paid for our gas 40 bucks at a time that whole trip, all the way to Montana and back, and you'd the you go into the gas station like that's not forty bucks because forty bucks a quarters really isn't you know it's a little Ziploc baggy yeah and I bet three quarters of the time they'd count it I'd be like well okay count it and then they count it and bam but you know we're twenty year old kids like screw it we're going to Montana outcome yeah. you know and that's that's how you do it
1: <laughs> yeah we were uh, talking me and Bob it. the other day you know we're we're going to go over to Idaho for two weeks and uh like I went to Walmart and. I got this, just this tote, this big old waterproof, you know, got a locking lid on it, tote. And, uh, I keep a bunch of camp food in there, so you can kind of just, kind of go through it and be set. And I, I filled a bunch of it up. I bought a bunch of car camping stuff, so ravioli, beanie weenie, stuff like that. And it was like 20 bucks. Um, you know, we were talking on the phone, and, uh, and he was talking to this girl, and she was like, well, what are you, what are you going to eat? You know, what what do, you, like, what do you want to eat for two weeks? And he's like, ramen noodles, uh yeah, any sausages, uh you know, uh Beef hey, jerky raviolis. Chili. Did you just say beef jerky? That shit's way too expensive. <laughs> that is expensive, but it's good. <laughs> yeah, PB and J's for beef. sure, yeah. You know, stuff like that. And that's you know, that's what we eat. We're sitting there at the at the rendezvous eating <laughs> eating some uh Ramen noodles and Bill seabrass's mom came over, she's like, are you guys eating ramen? Like, yeah, it's the official sponsor of September.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, that's another thing, you know, like, when you have a family and a wife, it's another whole ball game, you know, so that's always a bad one. Oh yeah. I remember, uh, you know, eight, nine years ago, last time I hunted Montana, that was, my wife and I had only been together a couple of years and she was on me and, you know, about spending all this money hunting. And I'm like, it costs us more to go to the beach for two nights than it does for me to go hunting for 18 days. And she's like, yep. and I'm like, yeah, it does. So I had her, we had her, the Cabela's card and you can put, you know, you can like pay 500 bucks and have like a credit on it. So I put 500 bucks on that. And it, and I made it eighteen days in Montana without spending five hundred bucks. <laughs> and so, I since believe then, it. Yeah. I don't get that same. Crack. That's awesome. Wait a minute, that's only five broadheads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the way the tags are now, they're so damn expensive. That's, that's getting rough. But
2: uh, yeah, I shoot cheap broads. But a lot of guys do, you know, that they'll be like, "Well, I don't know how you're taking." gonna go on a hunt for 21 days and it's like well i don't have a $75,000 truck with a $80,000 right. uh, uh, camp trailer and a side-by-side and and uh, a bill for this and a bill for that and um you know i i see a lot of guys buying $100 broadheads and and uh they have 17 bows in their collection and but they can only go home yeah. for five days and
1: yeah, if you, if so, you can't if mean, you can't afford to hunt because of your gear cost too much, I hunted with a Cabela's Alaskan Two frame pack, like an exterior frame pack for for ten years probably.
0: Yeah,
1: it cost ninety nine dollars in two thousand and eight.
0: Yeah,
1: and I hunted yeah. with it, and well, I killed my bull last year in a pair of. Um, well, my shirt was from the thrift shop, and my pants were eight dollars on sale. They were like George Jess pants. Yep. Like I I was wearing the same thing when I killed you, my my uh, bear last week. Like And a small you you TriQuest hat.
2: Lucky uh, TriQuest hat, yeah. And your lucky TriQuest. Yeah, Triclis and hat. my
1: TriQuest hat. That that I didn't pay nothing for. You you guys yeah, you're my sponsors.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you my got your priorities straight. <laughs> We're Baldwin. your hat sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> i love it yeah and we're not Uh, you know like when we say this stuff we're not just ragging on guys but it is fun to rag on guys but but uh just letting you you know like hey man don't don't let that stuff cloud your mind like just go on you know like shit that's what it's all about you only get so many septembers and like i said my you know i feel bad i i just bought a new truck two years ago and i have a side by side but uh you know (laughs) me and my brother were kids man like i said we paid for paid for it with quarters i mean we were we got a lot of stories and that's that makes it more fun you know so
1: i went to nebraska this spring to turkey hunt and uh my girlfriend like a couple days before i left came in with with some money and i'm like what's this she's like i was saving change down at the dryer you know like change out of out of the laundry and she's like I've been saving this for the next hunt you go on. I want you to pay for your gas with
0: nice.
1: it. Nice. I was like 120 bucks. Yeah. And I was, I was driving, so I don't know if you've seen pictures of it on Instagram, me putting deer on the back of it. I've got a, uh, I think it's like a 2001 Mazda Protege little four, oh, yeah. little four cylinder car.
0: Yeah,
1: I bought for $300 like six years ago. <laughs> you know how many hunting trips I've went on with that thing.
0: Those are sweet. Went man. to like Nebraska.
1: That. Yeah, slept in it. Didn't get a. I got one hotel room just to take a shower before I drove home. But
0: hell, you got to drive. Yeah, just slept in it. And I told Bob at that shoot, like, you got to upgrade, man. You're a giant man (laughs) in a little shitty car. Come on, the
1: little bear buggy. (laughs) Like
0: like I get the line of being cheap, but God damn, man, come on. (laughs) <laughs> I'm half his size and I would drive that thing I couldn't handle it anymore I'm too old I guess I just get uh, yeah I would, it would drive me nuts I, I gave him some shit for that but he said he's just going to keep but see, Bob, it's, it's good luck yeah Bob
1: has the same thing going you know he kind of structured his life to where you know if you got an extra thousand dollars well now you're going out west hunting for you know I mean Bob will come out for weeks and weeks yeah so, yeah.
2: yeah. Well, I, you guys got your priorities, yeah, you straight do it. that's for sure. Yeah. Um, and I, I appreciate you coming on here tonight, Colton, and help him, uh, you know, share all this information and help kind of flip the script on Bob here. He's hard to get to talk about stuff and, um, <laughs> you know, it was cool to have this conversation with you guys cause, uh, um, I'm, you know, just like the rest of us, a student to the game and trying to put the pieces together and, And elk hunting is, uh, if, if, if you don't hunt elk or you haven't hunted elk, man, sell some of those bows, do whatever it takes. Like it is awesome. I mean, I love deer hunting and bear hunting and, and all that stuff too, but like, there's only so many Septembers, like you guys say, in in one man's life. And you don't want to let those things pass, pass you by. There's just something about. Uh, these big ass woppity crushing through the woods, breaking trees, and hooting and hollering at you.
0: <laughs> and it's coming in a couple months, boys.
2: Yes, it, it is. is. September is just around the corner. So yeah, thank you guys so much for coming on the show. Um, well,
1: thanks for having me.
2: Yeah, we appreciate appreciate it. We'll, well, we'll we'll you keep killing shit, and we'll keep giving you free hats. How about that? <laughs>
1: Big <laughs> deal.
2: Uh, yeah, and uh, while we're at it, we should thank uh, Andy Puntz at Addictive Archery and uh, Carson. He's uh, out there cutting down trees, making arrows for us. And
0: yeah, we, we got uh, to say a little plug, plug for our boy Carson, Sherwood Shaft. He's usually our boy hanging out with us all the time at the shoots. I'm usually talking to him every day about how to solve the world's bow hunting problems. And he took over the business and he is so busy. Like, I don't even hardly talk to him anymore. He's just slaving away in that shop trying to make wood arrows. That's how many guys are out there buying wood arrows. So keep it up. But we miss Carson a little bit. Yeah.
2: I talked to him today. He's like, I can't come to the shoots. I can't hang out. I can't talk. And I'm like, Carson, there's more to life than this. And he goes, dude, I want to take September off. And I was like, okay, I'm going to leave you alone. You got your priorities straight. Uh, uh, I, I get it. I get it. So, yep, Carson Brown, Sherwood shafts. We love you, man. Yeah. Make sure uh, the guys are going out to Comptons. So I wish we were. Uh, if that's coming up here soon in Michigan, don't forget to support them. Uh, support your local traditional archery club. And... Keep the wind in your face, pick a spot and shoot a big old nice bull elk this September.
0: I've got pneumonia, rosacea, long boils on the brain. I'm an outdoor junkie through and through. Hunts my middle name. My eyes are on the target. Broadheads all fly true. Can't wait till I can get outside. So